we're on. I uh, was going to maybe incorporate the lyrics to Old Lang Syne into maybe some form of uh, Punk Goes Pod related thing, but as you uh, helped me to remind myself, I forgot the lyrics to Old Lang Syne. I don't even think I know the lyrics to Old Lang Syne. Yeah, I had the same thing. I was going to come in and just start singing Old Lang Syne, but I don't know the lyrics. I'm looking for them now. Good. Oh, something, 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 something. Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should old acquaintance be for pod? Sure. <laughs> I I don't understand. Anyway, I yeah. No, this we've already run this bit into the ground. So. Funnily enough, it was, just real quick, it was a song that I had learnt when I was playing guitar, when I first started learning guitar. Ah, oh, see, I learned it on the recorder. <laughs> <laughs> we should try and remember it so that you can play it on the recorder, I can play it on the guitar, and it will just be absolutely atrocious. Sick. Happy 2020, everyone, you beautiful people. Happy this... New Year. Happy New Year. This is Punk Goes Pod, episode mm-hmm. 23. We're bringing it in with a big one. Mm-hmm. We are the champions by Queen, mm-hmm. as covered by May Day Parade. I wish I had some champagne, but all I've got is this. Nice. Yeah, that's going to sound great. I already opened mine. But... Um... I don't have like one of those party blowers. Ah, oh, that would be good. Yeah. That would also be really, really freaking loud on the listeners' ears. <laughs> Just a, an FYI, if you hear any scratching in the background, our little jerky boy has been has taken refuge in a cardboard box. Our boy is a box. It was a comically large cardboard box that my uh, order from Amazon came in. And it was like, that doesn't need to be in a box that large. But we always give him boxes. I... I'm still morally conflicted about ordering shit via Amazon, but I do like that the box has given Boss hours of endless enjoyment. Oh, always. And we'll keep it until he starts chewing on it. Yeah. Which he will eventually start chewing on it. I am kind of pissed that he's managed to crack into the housing market before we have, but that's fine. Screw you. Give us some of your house. I know. He doesn't even pay rent in this one, but... That's all right. Wouldn't that be the most? Wouldn't that be the biggest insult to parents if their kids owned a house before them? I mean, or is it sort of cool that your kid is that successful? Well, I think that's the whole point of parenting, isn't it? Is that you're supposed to your kids are supposed to have it easier than you did? Yeah, you're supposed to make them basically better than you are. Yeah, and I read somewhere. I'm sure I've got it wrong, but I align with this. So I'm going to say it's true that. Our generation, or like the current generation of like up and comers, we are the first generation to not have progressed yeah. from our parents' generation. Yeah. And that makes me very angry. I am very angry as of January 1st, 2020. <laughs> our country is on fire. Nothing is being done about it. Bless you. Our son just sneezed. <laughs> he looks so shocked. He's looking up at me with the widest eyes. What was that? That's alright, I do about 30 of those a day. And now he's cleaning himself. So yeah, I'm angry, but that's fine. I can take that anger somewhere else. This is the decade we become anarchists. Ah, fucking... I reckon. Let's do it. 
I don't have the energy. I was going to say, let's burn it down. I was like, no, 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 that's the opposite of what we want to do. So, yeah, obviously this isn't, it's never going to be appropriate. But yeah, my thoughts are with everyone who has been affected by the bushfires. Definitely. And the fact that our government is not doing anything about them. So so much so that our prime minister went off to Hawaii while, you know, an entire state was burning. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Nothing we say seems to be getting through, so we might as well keep talking about music instead. Yeah. You know, it's what makes us happy, so. Yeah. You know, doing these things make me happy, so. Mm-hmm. So, what are your wishes for the new year, the new decade? The new decade? I don't know. I'm not thinking that far ahead. No. Uh, wishes. I, I want to be pretty. Pretty? Pretty. Okay. Yeah. Did you literally just think of that right yeah, now? Yeah, because I wasn't expecting that question. I mean, we have a dot point that says any stories we want to go over that has occurred since last recording. Well, I mean, because I mean, it was a while ago that we did our last recording. This is true. Even though it will be sequentially probably on time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We got each other some dope Christmas gifts. We did. I'm, yes. wearing, I'm wearing mine. I'm not going to tell the listener what it is, but I'm just going to say it's... Um, yes, we got some excellent presents. Um, fuck, I don't know. I mean, I mean, obviously, the obvious one. Sort of, this is the year where it always comes back to like, what do you want? Or what are your plans? Well, we're getting married, so Mm -hmm. that's what it always comes back to until, you know, October 31st, and then we can make some other wishes. Our son won't be a bastard anymore. No. Only in attitude. You won't be, you know, a child out of wedlock. No. You bastard. (laughs) (laughs) We, oh, well, I mean, I think in the last record, since in that time between our last recording was when he got sick. Yeah, that was fun. When you got sick and when I got sick. Yeah, we all just were having an awful time. And then we were driving past a, I guess it was like a petrol, not petrol station, but it was the the plant where they, they get all the petrol from and there was a ref- there was a silo that just said slops on it and that's where we gave boss the new nickname of slops. Yeah. He certainly lived up to his name <laughs> as he was puking all over the carpet. But we are pleased to report that he is back to his normal self. His normal dickish self. Yeah. Yeah. But what about you? What do you have any hopes and wishes for the future? Um, again, not feeling super hopeful about this decade, but aside from the obvious awful things, I am looking forward to getting married. That'll yes. be good. Um, yeah, that's sort of the... Yeah, look, we don't need to be jumping in with, you know, these ridiculous goals and lofty ambitions for, for you know, the next year and the next decade. We just keep going as we're going and... That's exactly it. Trying to, you know, build up some kind of semblance of, I guess not wealth, but enough that we could maybe try and move into a house would be great. Yeah. But at the moment, I'm just thinking we got to get off this really shitty computer. Yeah. But anyway, this is podcast poison. Yeah, it I'm really sure is. no one gives any shits about. So I guess we don't really have much else to say. No. In regards to that, but I'm sure we have a lot to say about this week's band, or original band, and their song, Queen. 
fortune and everything that goes with it. I thank you all. But it's been no bed of roses, no pleasure cruise. I consider it a challenge before. Tell us a bit about Queen. I have many points, many dot points. In fact, it's kind of one of those bands, though, that again, when we spoke about Guns N' Roses, it's sort of in the same vein of how much do we really need to talk about? I'm sure we we've all probably grown up. People in our age bracket, I would say nine out of ten grew up with a parent listening to Queen. That age bracket being what eighteen to thirty six. Yeah, thereabouts. <laughs> probably, you know, younger to, from 18 to 36. Probably like 10 to 36. Yeah. You know, I'm sure at some point our parents have played some Queen. I remember that was, you know, something that my, my mother would listen to was Queen. Mm. And, you know, compared to both of my parents, my mother does not have the coolest taste in music. I'm hey. sorry, Mom. What? Well, she doesn't. Well, I think she does. Vicar and Linda's not cool. Chris Isaac's not cool. Joe Cocker's not cool. Joe Cocker is fucking brilliant. I'm, I'm not sorry. hear another word against I, him. I'm sorry, May mother. He rest in peace. He died, didn't he? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, we were at your parents' place. That's right. And we, I've got two Joe Cocker stories, actually. We were at your parents' place. I saw Joe Cocker died and I immediately rang mum to be like, hey, you okay? Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah. You know, because she loves Joe Cocker. And when we were also in Tasmania... And so we all, because we were doing a road trip around Tasmania. We, we being you and your parents. Yeah, me at 14, hating the trip because I was on a, I was 14 on a trip to Tasmania with my parents. We, <laughs> you and I went to Tasmania as adult, as adults. And I was like, that's, I love this place. Yeah. Love Tasmania. And so the people, the people, we brought CDs. I brought my, my entire CD case. As was the style at the time. As was the style of the time. And I would bring it into the hotel with me. Yeah. And mum and dad would leave their CDs in the car. They, yeah, left the CDs in the car. The car gets robbed mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. We come back into the car and things are just gone. Would you say burgled in that sense? Because, like, robbed yeah, implies that the car disappeared as well. Yeah, true. I don't know. The, the, <laughs> the, the contents of the car were stolen. Yes. And were. <laughs> Dad's furious because, you know, his personal space has been invaded and, you know, things have been stolen. The one thing that was left was the Joe Cocker CD. Mum's mum's mad that the Joe Cocker CD was the only thing that was left behind. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know what was worse. The fact that on that trip, mum learnt that a burglar or a robber was not going to take Joe Cocker, (laughs) even if it was free. (laughs) 
or the fact that the rest of that trip they had to listen to bands like Blink-182 and Newfound Glory. Sick. They had to listen to the Mark, Tom and Travis show a lot. Oh. And I would sometimes forget that, the, that there was you know segments in between songs that were really inappropriate <laughs> to listen to with your mother and father in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Just some classic family tunes. So, yeah, back to Queen. I feel as though... I mean, would did you have the same thing? Did you grow up in a household that played Queen or...? Um, to a point. Like, for me, my parents, their wheelhouse was more along the lines of, say, Elton John and... God, who else? Like, Dire Straits, that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, they did enjoy Queen. Queen really came into our household, uh, when my sister was in, I think, year nine, ten, thereabouts. Okay. Yeah. Um, her art teacher took them on an excursion to see We Will Rock You, the stage yeah. show. Which we then went to. We did. Yeah. Years later. Um, and yeah, I think we then went and bought like a comp CD. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if it was her or if it was mum and dad, but details, who cares? Um, Is that the, the greatest hits, the three CD? Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, so yeah, that was on high rotation around then. And yeah, I do remember finding a cassette tape of the one that was released after Freddie died, I think it was. I want, oh, to, yeah. I want to say it's like Far From Heaven, something like that, but that's not right. You know what's kind of insane about that three disc and you could probably do the same with a band like the Beatles. Even though I'm not a Beatles fan, I've never, never have been. I always thought that they were kind of lame. Um, but the thing with that three-disc compilation of... Made in Heaven, hits, I should say. Made in Heaven. Yes. All of those songs are hits. Yeah. All of those songs, you, you know every single one of those songs. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, and it's it's something ridiculous like... You know, like I said, it's three CDs, so it could be close to like 60 songs. Yeah. You know, all of those songs. Yeah. They were huge. And again, that's why I'm sort of saying, how much do we really need to say about Queen? Except that they were, you know, formed in 1970 in they London, were. England. Yes. The uh, four primary members include Brian May, Roger Taylor, John Deacon, and Freddie Mercury. Mm-hmm. But I always forget that they're still going. Yeah. I always forget that Adam Lambert is the lead singer of Queen now. Adam Lambert rules. <clears throat> like, he's great. I guess for me, it doesn't sit right that Queen exists without Freddie. But again, that's just a very sort of like... I don't think they're still going, but remember when NXS tried to do it? Yeah. They, yeah. they got another singer and it's like, no, that's not Michael Hutchins. And that's, yeah. Don't, don't do that. That's the thing with iconic kind of bands and lineups like that you can't like we were having this conversation the other day where you asked like have you ever had like a favorite band of yours continue with a different front man mm. and i don't think i have like because yeah i couldn't i like i couldn't even think of a minor sort of band where that happened and went smoothly let alone a major one because it just wouldn't be the same like see because i you know, one of my favourites is the Misfits. I have, a, mis- right, I have yeah. a Misfits tattoo. And they have... They basically have three periods. I don't like their... Well, no, they've got almost like four periods because now Danzig is doing shows with them again. But they've got their original, you know, time with Danzig. Then mm-hmm. they had their time in the 90s with Michael Graves. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that period of time. It's probably a really unpopular opinion to say, yeah, I like that period of the Misfits. Yeah. Is it as good as the Danzig era? No, it's not. Yeah. But I can still look at it and go, oh, no, I really enjoy this music. Yeah. It's, it's a bit different from what 
Danzig was doing. And it doesn't detract from basically the overall feel of the Misfits, which is horror punk. Yeah. And they sort of have this kind of, I don't know, almost, sometimes they go back to this almost older sound. I yeah. always want to say ballroom music, but it's not so much ballroom music, but it's just, I don't know, it has this kind of older sound to it, this sort of rockier sound to it. And I dig it. I don't like the, the period where it's Jerry only, the, the, the final original member of the band mm. who is the bassist, but then he started singing. I don't really like that period. It's not very good, but, yeah, you know. I can I can appreciate at least the other period where it's like no you don't need to shit on this singer just because he's not dancing just because yeah. he's not your guy take something from it. I guess like another example would be um, Black Flag. Yeah, they had a frontman change, didn't they? Well, so I mean, well there was Rollins. Roll who uh, came I mean, in later. Yeah, Rollins wasn't the original yeah. singer, and now they still go by. Well, I mean, Rollins. I think Rollins still does Black Flag songs, as we saw. That's, yeah. He did. A, he did. Um, he did Rise Above with Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Oh, so so good. And she rocks out with a friggin' mohawk. She is the best. And then there's, it's the original guitarist. I think still goes by mm. Black Flag as well. So you got two Black Flags almost. And it's Mike Vall- like professional skateboarder Mike Vallely is the lead singer Sick. of Black Flag. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't listened to it. I you know I should. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rule it out, yeah. just because I haven't listened to it. But yeah, I remember reading one of Rollins's books, and it was at the time that they were both having their sort of disagreement. It was after Black Flag, but they were sort of coming back to do stuff. Yeah. So Rollins did a compilation album of Black Flag cover songs right. with other artists. Yeah. So I think he gets Danzig to do a Black Flag That's song. Cool. He gets yeah. Tom Araya from Slayer to do a Black Flag song. He was going to get the lead singer of Pennywise to do it, and he was going to do it, but then. What the compilation album was for was for the the three kids who were accused of the the West Memphis Three. Right. So they were accused of murdering three little boys yeah. in this satanic ritual. Right. When actually it wasn't them. Yeah. And so they were wrong. They were gonna. They were on death row. Shit. And so it was people like Henry Rollins. Fuck! It was someone else. Like a really famous actor was heavily involved in in the activism for this as well. And so, yeah, it, it, all the proceeds went to their legal funds. Yeah. And the lead singer Pennywise was like, no, I'm a, I'm a dad. That doesn't make me feel comfortable. And so Henry Rollins wasn't terribly kind to him huh, in the book. I see. It's like, yeah, he, I mean, okay, he did say, yeah, I'll do it. And then when you told him what it was about, he changed his mind. I get that. But at the same time, you know, respect his wishes, I guess, Rollins. Yeah. And so in that book as well, like, you know, he organizes a, a band and, of course... There and it's some of the original members of Black Flag, and of course they're really good. And then it's the yeah. other version of Black Flag. It's like the guitarist Greg Ginn or Greg Jin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's sort of like, yeah, they weren't as good. They had a drum machine. Yeah. And Mike Vallely on singing. <sighs> but yeah, point being, I think that they probably picked a really wise choice in Adam Lambert. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I'm sure I sound like a piece of shit for just parroting the. Oh, it's not the same, but. I guess, yeah, what I'm trying to say is it's difficult to do it smoothly. Like, especially someone like Freddy, you're never going to quite fill that man's shoes. No, but it's Adam Lambert is definitely he's a talented musician oh, who, has, who has charisma good. and has a really good look. Yeah. Which, yeah. that's Freddie Mercury. Talented yeah. musician who had a really good... Talented musician who had tons of charisma who had a really good look. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean... As we said with, you know, Adam Lambert, you know, he does a good job. 
sort of fills in the role pretty pretty comfortably. And I just, I don't feel like we have too much else to say about the band. No. You know, you, we've probably read Wikipedia articles, we've seen interviews, we've read about them. I'm sure a lot of us probably saw Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Which... The further along I go, I don't know if I necessarily like the movie, but I thought his performance as Freddie Mercury was really good. Rami Malek. Rami Malek's. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I really enjoyed it, but I guess the more I learned about how much it was sanitised for the audience, yeah. that was disappointing, I guess. Because, you, you, I mean, that was the year where we had two really iconic biopics, or two really iconic iconic you know, singers had their biopic basically, and yeah, that with Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man. Yeah, yeah. And you saw both those movies. Which one did you prefer? Um, I think uh, it's hard because I liked them both for different reasons. Mm. I think I felt more inclined to. 100% buy into Rocket Man because Elton had some part in it becoming a thing. Yeah. Like, I think he did have a lot of say in how everything was portrayed. Whereas, yeah, We Will Rock You, not We Will Rock You, <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody did feel like it was being sort of engineered to present the people who were still alive as positively as they could. And I, At the expense of Freddy, who is not here to defend himself. Yeah, and I guess... And so that was basically, you know, before Rami Malek was Freddie Mercury, I believe there was talks to have it be Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, who, which would have been really funny. Like, just so spot on. Yeah, he looks remarkably like Freddie Mercury. And put mm. a, put a, like, pretty much Borat with just a shaved head almost <laughs> is... is Freddie Mercury. <laughs> yeah. And that would have been really interesting that, uh, what's his name, Roger May, was like, no, no, it's got to be about Queen. And Freddie, uh, not Freddie Mercury, Sasha Baron Cohen was like... Brian May. Brian May. <laughs> Brian And Sasha Baron Cohen was just like, yeah, but Freddie Mercury's the interesting one. Yeah. And I think he was sort of like, none of you were, none of you were terribly interesting. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, no, but it has to be about Queen. And because he controls Queen, basically. Yeah. It's like, no, but it's got to be about Queen. He's like, yeah, I think it should be about Freddie Mercury. And that's where you got the, the movies about Queen. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, like, he's very much the focal point. But there's also this thing of like, yeah, we're part, we're still alive and let's make us look really good. Yeah. Which, sure. Whereas, why not? But whereas, also... Whereas Rocket Man is Elton John. Like, yeah. it's just one singular focus and you can put more thought into it, more background into it, and just more life into it character into it i guess yeah yeah exactly no i would still like to go and get mm-hmm. out and see well i'd be in my home seeing it but i would like to see rocket man yeah it is very very good and yeah i did very much enjoy bohemian rhapsody but it's yeah it's just one of those kind of disappointing things sort of reading the reviews and op-eds and stuff that came after where rightfully so people were noting that Freddie's sexuality in particular was sort of used as a like a moral lesson like Mm. the way that the film sort of portrayed like if you live this life of debauchery you will get HIV and then you'll die eventually and it'll be very tragic like it was kind of upsetting to see how they put some form of judgment on 
someone just living their life. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like not going through a really good, like having, yeah, kind of going through a pretty bad time and yeah, just trying to find comfort in people and, you know, mm. yeah, it did end up killing him in the end. Mm. Um, do you think it's kind of great that his partner in the end, who apparently they, you know, they loved each other, yeah. the two of them. Do you think it's kind of great though that they look alike as well? Is a, a dude with like another big thick mustache and you know same color hair and I think it's irrelevant. I just thought it was great. <laughs> well, there you go. I'm gonna start curling. My, I'm gonna grow my hair and start curling it. I'm wearing glasses. Sure, why not? That'll be terrifying. <laughs> it wouldn't work for me. I'd probably look like Leo fucking Sayer. <laughs> that would be terrifying. So please don't do that. Shall we talk about the song? Yes, let's talk about the song. We do have other dot points, but we will be covering Queen at some point further down the line, so we can save those. Okay. So the song was on the 1977 album News of the World. Mm -hmm. It was written by Freddie Mercury. Yeah. I can't remember, do we see that in... Because I know you see how they did uh, We Will Rock You. Do we see how they do We We Are The Champions? In the movie, uh, I thought we did. Possibly, it's not that it's not that important, I guess. But um, you know, some more facts about it was the official theme song for the nineteen ninety four FIFA World Cup, and you can definitely it's a real easy one to make this a sports song. Yeah, well, that's I was going to say in terms of like anecdotal stuff to do with the song. I think I first heard in inverted commas this song being used as like a sports chant yeah. at one of our sports days. Just the chorus of it when a team had won over another team. And I remember just being like, oh, that's a funny sort of chant. Like, ha And then connecting the dots later on down the line when I actually heard the song and being like, ah, oh, that's where it's from. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not just a sports song. But yes, uh, I just did a quick Google. I can confirm that you do see We Are The Champions in Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. Because that was their closing song of Live Aid. Oh, uh, yeah. See, and that was a really good, like, that was a fantastic portrayal of yeah. that in the movie. You know, he basically does it, you know, spot on. Yeah. They all do it spot on, I guess, but just, you know, in general. Ugh, we have moved our studio into the living room and... Because it's both, cooler out here. Both of us are too old to sit on the floor for yeah. extended periods of time. <laughs> no, but, yeah, even in, in the movie, you know, I think the the performance parts of it, and of course you're playing Queen songs a lot, and it's loud, and I'm and I get into that. I'm like, yeah, cool, yeah. Let's listen to that. Let's let's see this happen. But yeah, I don't know. We don't need to harp on the movie too much. Nah. It was what it was. However, despite we are the champions' overwhelming popularity, the song actually never reached number one, huh. which I find kind of interesting. I would have just assumed. Because it was a Queen song, I would have just kind of assumed that any Queen song was reaching number one. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But instead, on the charts, it reached number eight in Australia, number three in Canada, number two in the Dutch top 40, so close. Also number two in the UK, number eight in New Zealand, and number four in the US Billboard Hot 100, among others, I'm sure. Yeah. but There were a few others, but... Yeah. Um... But despite not coming in at number one, in 2011, a team of scientific researchers concluded that We Are The Champions was the catchiest song in the history of pop music. So they still have that 
at least. <laughs> Could you imagine that? This is the catchiest song. I want to know what the criteria was. Like, yeah, I'm going to have to read up on that study because I didn't write these notes, as always. Um, just to know how that was determined. That's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, do they just say, you know, do they just do like a test of like, you know, 100 people. Hey, listen to this song and then tell us if it's still in your head by, you know, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, here it is. So, uh, yeah, in a the 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 the, the um, yeah, it's catchiest song in the world. Um, Doctor Daniel Mullen Mullinsifen said of the study: every musical hit is reliant on maths, science, engineering, and technology. From the physics and frequencies of sound that determine pitch and harmony to the high-tech digital processes and synthesizers which can add effects to make a song catchier. I'm reading this on my phone and Richard's messaging me at the moment. (laughs) Hey, Richard. We've discovered that there's a science behind the sing-along and a special combination of neuroscience, math, and cognitive psychology that can produce the elusive elixir of the perfect sing-along song. God, I'm really not loving the alliteration in that sentence. Yeah, that was a that was a mouthful. No. So they don't actually they just sort of say maths. Yeah. <laughs> so Can you thanks. give us a good answer for this? Maths. Yeah. Science. Like they I they could have just picked Technology. any song and then be like, so what was the criteria? Oh, you know, maths and science. No. Ah, and then everyone's just like, well, fuck that. I don't want to know any more about it. No wonder so many people are afraid of technology these days. Technology. <gasps> um well, yeah, it'd be cool to actually read the study rather than just get like some alliterated bloody thing. But yeah, anyway, careful what you wish for. I should have. Anyway. <laughs> so what are our thoughts? I'm trying to read off the notes and I still keep getting messages. <laughs> Richard, why are you so obsessed with Sam? This like... is... Well, it's not. It's our wrestling group chat because we're watching wrestling. In a I see. Days. I am getting messages about when I am free to see Cats the movie, so different lives. (laughs) Um, I like this song. Yeah? Obviously. Um, Hard not to. I think it wouldn't be my favourite Queen song. What would your favourite Queen song be? I really like the song Who Wants to Live Forever. That's a cool one. That was yeah. on the Highlander soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Actually, the entire soundtrack to the movie Highlander was done by Queen, I'm pretty sure. Huh. They were like, yeah, you know, oh, we want you want us to do the, the soundtrack? Yeah, we'll do it, but we want to watch the movie first. So they watched it without music, and then they're like, okay, we'll write music for this movie nice. specifically. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, it probably would have been like Killer Queen or something like that. Mm. Um... I like Save Me. That's a nice one. Mm-hmm. Just very heartfelt. Heart- Somebody to Love. Really yeah, sweet. that's a really lovely yeah. one. So, but then again, like you said, they're one of those bands where every song is just a straight up banger. So, I'm going to go on the record. I'm shouting because I'm really far away. I'm going to go on the record and say, I don't like the Bicycle song. I know and, you don't. And I don't like Fat Bottom Girls. Yeah, look, I find it simplistic, but as a fat-bottomed girl, I'm just like, fuck yeah, we do. And as a fat-bottomed girl myself, I'm going to (laughs) say, yeah, it's a bit basic. Yeah, I don't know. It's sort of like, 
that musician Mika or Micah tried to sort of bring back that fat bottom girls energy with that big girls you are beautiful in like the 2000s 2000s big girls you are beautiful no, I'll have to chuck in a clip there. Another, yeah, uh, the girl, one that you really don't oh, like. Oh, Megan Trainer. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> so, like, I think that's the thing is, like, yeah, as a fat lady, it is fun to hear songs that talk about girls who are both fat and attractive mm. without it being cloying. Like, yeah, look, it's, it's body positive. Yeah. And look, they they probably they could have just meant it as like a stupid thing, but also fuck it, who cares? Like I'm taking it and running with it. Cool. Um, and yeah, compared to like the Meekers and the Megan Trainers of the world, I like the way they handled it better. But that is completely off topic, except for the Queen bit. So it wouldn't be me if I didn't talk a little bit about wrestling. Go for it. And every time I've been listening to this song. Or had it in my head. I've replaced it with a certain verbiage, verbiage, word. So, one of my favorite wrestlers in the world, Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. He's the one, he's the lead singer of Fozzy oh, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. He's the one, I'm from Winnipeg, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He is the in the, the new promotion, All Elite Wrestling, AEW. He's their current champion. And when he won the championship, he became meme-worthy, I guess, in wrestling circles because when he won, he's he's like, oh, I'm the champion now. I crack open a bottle, a little bit of the bubbly. Oh, my goodness. And so it's bubbly, sparkling. Mm-hmm. And so now he's made his own uh, version of sparkling wine called a little bit of the bubbly. But now he also calls himself Le Champion. So every time it goes to we are Le Champion. Le Champion. For goodness sake. <laughs> uh. Do you know, I used to also think that this song and We Will Rock You were one song. Because I think they kind of would... I think they would do that in live performances, was one would go after the other. I think so, yeah. And so I was like, I think they're the same song. That's a really long song. Yeah. Which would only probably be about six minutes anyway. But still. Um, Yeah. I'm trying to. I feel like I should be saying more about why I like it, but I'm just like, yeah, it's cool. I'm sort of. I sort of listened to it a few times, and I've gone with. In my mind, it kind of has this sort of sad feel to it. Yeah. And I guess that you know the piano at the start really helps that kind of mood and flow of it feeling kind of sad. Yeah. And you know it's somber at the beginning and. It's not so much like, yeah, we're the champions, we're so happy. It's like, I sacrificed everything. I left everything behind to get to the top. Yeah. Now what the fuck do I do? And I think, yeah, it's one of those ones that you appreciate that read on it the older you get. Because, yeah, when you're a kid and you do just hear it being sang as like a thumbing the nose at your opposition, like, eh, we did it. Like, yeah, you can just sort of take it as like a boastful kind of song but yeah there is that sadness to it i'm trying to pull up the lyrics which i had up before and then just decided not to keep up for some reason yeah because it starts off with i've paid my dues time after time so it's you know working towards getting there 
it's talking about, um, you know, it's no bed of roses, no yeah. curtain, no curtain calls. Uh, hang on. I'm just consulting. But a curtain call is a bad thing, isn't it? Isn't that like you, when, you, when you're at your end? Well, curtain call is like a theatrical thing, but it is used as a euphemism for dying, isn't mm. it? But no, like... At like at face value, a curtain call is like just the end of something. I think. Um, yeah, I've taken my bows and my curtain calls. You brought me fame and fortune and everything that goes with it. I thank you all. I think the one I, the lyric I really like, and I didn't really think much of it literally until I was reading up for this, was the lyric. I consider it a challenge before the whole human race, and I ain't gonna lose. Yeah. And someone on Genius, thank you somewhat anonymous contributor <laughs> they noted note the humanist sentiment before the whole human race rather than before god as the ultimate judge of achievement i like that yeah. like like we we judge ourselves yeah yeah and like so yeah sort of taking personal accountability for your actions as opposed to just letting go and letting god so to speak mm. like yeah we will judge ourselves not yeah. Be judged by whatever. I I guess it's also really a song for the fans as well. Yeah. You know, when, you know, from what we've read, it's, you know, this is for you all. We are here together. We are, you know, you're here up on this stage with me, basically. Yeah. I really... It's, it's sort of a sincere version of that thing of like whenever a musician visits a new city and they're like how are you all going like you look so lovely tonight but thanks so much for coming out like it's we're really happy to be here in yeah springfield <laughs> yeah. um this is purely a comment for what <laughs> i'm just thinking at the end with spinal tap in that episode of the simpsons they're leaving and they're like we're leaving springden <laughs> <laughs> um this is purely for Richard. We should just record episodes only for Richard. Like at this I point. I mean, sometimes it feels like that. I know. <laughs> with, with, he's the only person. He's the only person who remarks. If you want this to not feel like it's a podcast just for Richard, hey, leave a comment. And also Mark as well. Hello, Mark. Mark. Um, yeah, this is purely for Richard at this point. But the one example that's jumping to mind of another musician who has done this is "Long Live" by Taylor Swift. You held your head like a hero On a history book page It was the end of a decade But the start of an age Long And it's basically a song where she's saying, like, yeah, you were all along with me for this ride. Like, in the future when you're telling your kids about me, like, please tell them who I was because, like, this was such a beautiful trip and it's all because of you guys. Oh, that's nice. It's Yeah, it's a really lovely song. Um, Yeah, I've had the privilege of hearing her play it on tour before and it's really lovely. Yeah. And yeah, like, to me, similar sort of feel to this song where it's like, triumph, 
but as a collective victory. Like, yeah. not just being a braggart, like, being like... I'm the champion, it's we are the champions. Yeah. Yeah. And just, yeah, that sort of calling everyone in to celebrate just the moment. It really is an easy way. It's it's a really easy pop for a band to be like, yeah, we love it here. Fuck the other city. Yeah. Oh, I fucking hate when they do that. Like, I don't know. We were in Sydney last night and they just weren't as... Let's see if we can or, be louder than them. It's like, fuck or off. Or the other way around. Like, they were louder than you. Yeah. Oh. It's just I, like, well, good for them. Like, fucking do what I'm paying you to do. <laughs> no, that's terrible. I like the ones that... I'm going to come back to what you just said, but mm. I like the ones that actually, you know, have done something in the city and go, hey, we went to, you know, say for instance in Melbourne, it's like, hey, we went to Grand Trailer Park and ate some tasty burgers. Mm. Just something really simple like that. Like, hey, we did this. Or even when we saw Refused and they're like, oh, you know, we've been listening to, we came over here and we started listening to a whole bunch of Australian music. Australia has fantastic music. Yeah. Did they actually cite any examples? Yeah, Nick Cave. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) That would have been really funny if they were just like, Um, we've been listening to some bands. Did the, uh, um, I'm going to try and, I don't know the Swedish accent, but she's like, did the uh, did the crocodile hunter did he do music? Oh my gosh! The the uh, the the, the uh, um, shrimp on the Barbie man did he do any music himself? But in the same regards to what you were saying, how in New Noise when they fucking played that song? Oh, that was funny. Oh, it got me! It got me so fucking bad because he didn't say. He left it to the crowd to do it. It's like, no, I paid you. I basically paid you just to hear you say, scream, can I scream? Yeah. And you've left it to a bunch of idiots to do it. You jackass. Holy shit, that show was good, though. It was so, so good. <laughs> have we done um, New Noise at karaoke? I'm sure we have. No, I don't think we have. No, I feel oh. like we should. Yeah, no, we should. Just so we can be like, yeah, no, it's great. So and good. then we just don't do the rest of the song. No, that's it. Like the rest <laughs> of the, the rest of the song is good, but that's the bit that makes me go, "Holy shit!" Oh, it's just it's, so much adrenaline. It's that moment. It's that sort of moment where, in, you know, I don't go on roller coasters much, but I know the feeling of like when your stomach goes. <gasps> it's like, yeah. oh god, that's amazing. Yeah, and you've just gone. You've just put the mic like. There, there, there's a vine where it's like, someone's someone pretends they're at a concert and the person's like. Everybody sing along. It's like, no, that's what I paid you for. Yeah. Like, do your job. No. <sighs> but yeah, we are getting wildly off topic. Um, that's fine. It's our banter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, yeah. It's one of those songs where, like you were saying before, you do appreciate the nuance to it the older you get. And yeah, like, it, you know, as a kid, myself as well, it was a sports song. Yeah. You know, when we would win kickball and we would play and we would sing We Are The Champions. Yeah. I loved kickball. Kickball was great. Kickball and t-ball. Kickball ruled. T-ball, not so much, but kickball, fuck yeah. T-ball, you still swung a bat. That was cool. Yeah. Kickball, you got to kick something though, so that's cool as well. I think t-ball, because I was was, and still am left-handed, I had to bat from the other side, which is fine, but I don't know, something about it, everyone was like, oh, what are you doing? Like, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I was very self-conscious about my left-handedness, and also I was terrible at sport in general. Is it because lefties are the devil? Yeah, yeah, absolutely it is. That's cool. That's why I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, look, it's one of those things, how much do we really talk about Queen? How much do we really talk about the song? We've How know, much do we really talk about anything? Well, I talk a lot about anything. This is true. About nothing. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I guess we just move on to May Day Parade. And look, before we do, I guess we should note that we will be covering Bohemian Rhapsody at some point. So that, and that's why you, and, and probably for good reason, you know, why you moved the, the, the notes for when we do Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's... It's, it's the same sort of thing like when we did, you know, Britney Spears. You know, yeah. That wasn't, you know, We Are The Champions is, is, as we said, like, we like it. It's not the best, but... It's a significant song in their career, but Bohemian Rhapsody will always trump it. So... Yeah. 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 In that sense, it makes sense to do, like, a proper deep dive. And even then, like, they're sort of Guns and Roses level where it's like, you guys already know all this shit anyway. Yeah. Maybe we should get my mum on for Bohemian Rhapsody. Ooh, that'd be cool. We should get my dad on as well. He studied it in high school. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so I guess let's talk about May Day Parade. Time after time After my sentence But committed no crime And bad mistakes I've made a few I've had my share of vengeance in my face So, May Day Parade. Yes. They come from Tallahassee. That's such a cool name. I love that. Tallahassee. Uh-huh. In Florida. Tallahassee. In Florida. In Florida. That just gets funnier every time you use it, baby. <laughs> I, I just... There's just... You know, I'm going back to wrestling. All right. But I just remember when Florida... He did a few WrestleManias, but when he did one of the WrestleManias, and one of the wrestlers... His story in that WrestleMania was he was going to get beef with Flo Rider, and he kept just he was trying to get into the backstage bit, and he's like, "Yo, I want to speak." He's got a real Southern accent. He's like, "I want to speak to Florida. Let me speak to Florida." God, I do think at some point you and Richard just need to record a wrestling podcast, just one episode, just get it out of your system like once a month. Well, I want to do like I said, like I want to do a Misfits retrospective for this podcast and they the Misfits did show up on WCW so I would get to talk about them then. Talk about it then. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, yeah. Tallahassee, Florida. Mm-hmm. They've maintained a consistent lineup Sick. since two, from about 2005 including how cool is this name? Brooks Betts. Yeah, Brooks, that is a cool name. Brooks Betts. Is that a that's a is that alliteration? Somewhat, like just the B sound. The BB. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a thing that's Stanley. I feel like the bruh bit sort of makes it a bit more digestible. Yeah. Like if it were like Books Barney bets. bits or Bob bits or like... Bennett bits. Yeah. Betty bits. <laughs> Betty there, and the bits. There are some days that I wish that my last name was Samuels. 
Sam Samuels. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Brooks Betts on rhythm guitar. Yep. Jake Bundrick on drums. Alex Garcia. Alex Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> Garcia, it, I barely even knew her. Uh... Fuck it, we're leaving that in. Yeah. Alex Garcia, lead guitar. Jeremy Lenzo, bass. And Derek Sanders, lead vocals. Mm-hmm. But I was looking, you know, I mean, I get most of my information from Wikipedia. It is a very reliable source of information on the internet. Yes, and I no, see I no guess. problem with that. Please <laughs> donate to Wikipedia if you can. Um, and they couldn't, whoever was writing this, couldn't seem to nail down their style, basically. Yeah. So it's just like, it appears as, I wrote, it appears as though their style can be pin, cannot be pinpointed to one standard genre, being labeled as pop punk, pop rock, emo emo pop pop rock and just rock i like that you've listed pop rock twice there yeah it's, it's worth listing <laughs> so nice twice. they labeled it twice <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah it's sort of like if you nail down just so the five elements are pop punk rock and emo, emo. so four yeah. like so why don't they just call it like pop slash punk slash rock slash i don't know it's it's like those people that do People on Instagram or on Twitter that use about 30 hashtags. And so you're trying to get all your bases covered. So, yeah. yeah. Why don't you just say you're emo or just pop rock or just Just, rock yeah. Or... I don't know. And like emo pop, I know it's a thing, but also like, is it though? And I think we'll probably get through a few of these bands that are like this. Yeah. That, that start off with a very distinct, you know, pop punk or emo sound. I am forgetting the name. Was it the starting line that did the James Bay song? That that started no, off the starting line of no, it wasn't. Let me see. The, the band that did the James Bay song, and they started off very much either like a pop punk or you know a, an emo sounding band, but then they moved towards more of a hey, let's make money kind of sound. Yeah, which that's what the plot in you, the plot in you. Yeah. That's what I see in the May in May Day Parade is they probably did start off and you see pictures of them and then they got the big fringes and everything and they still sort of had the big fringes from what I've seen in their film clips. Yeah, but I guess you know before digesting the band, do we digest the song a little bit? I reckon do band first and okay. then song. So I did, as I said, I watched a few of their clips to try and get an idea of their sound, and to me, it's just kind of unremarkable pop. See, pop rock. Uh, or emo pop or pop rock but or not just even, rock. Or... Not even that. It's just very much like there's, you know, they, they did one film clip where it's all piano, but the rest of the band's there and they're getting covered in snow. And I think the only reason why the rest of the band is there is because the drummer sings as well. Yeah. And so he's just sitting there at his drums. It's snowing on them and he's just singing. And it's just like, you look so fucking out of place while the... While the lead singer is there on the on the piano, looking really cool on the piano, and then they did another song. It was like, okay, I'm going to see what this is like, and it's just the singer again on the piano, like mm. looking really cool on the piano. It's like, why don't you just fucking do your own piano project, Richard Cheese? Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> before you continue down this path of vitriol, just remember that these guys show up quite a lot in the Punk Goes universe. We're going to be covering them at least another four times, I think. So I'll get to have this tirade another four times. Or we could maybe see if they want to tell us about their experiences in an interview or something, but probably not now that you've just... No, that's fair. You're allowed to have your opinion. Um... 
I don't know. Like, I mean, like I said, like, I'm allowed to think that they're unremarkable. Oh, absolutely you are. Um, I think they're one of these ones where, had I been the right age when they were first around, I feel like I was slightly too old for them. Yeah, I was definitely, by the time I was hearing of Mayday Parade, I was well and truly gone from this scene. Yeah, so 2006, I think, is when they first sort of started to, going by Spotify at least... Um, they released Tales Told by Dead Friends in 2006, Jamie All Over in 2007. Um, yeah, I don't know. At that point, like, I still would have been susceptible to it, but it just didn't catch me at the right time. So, like, for me, the only song of theirs that I really vibe with is Jamie All Over, and that's because it's shown up in a... God, I feel like Captain Cuts has used it at some point in their emo sort of mixes and stuff. Yeah. But aside from that, I really don't have any experience with this band, aside from the covers that we'll be talking about. Yeah. Today and also down the line. And they, and you're right, they really do show up a lot. They do. Yeah. I think they might be the band we talk about the most. I th- yeah, I the reckon. The cover band we talk about the most. Newfound Glory shows up. <laughs> Newfound Glory. <laughs> Newfound. Newfound Glory shows up a few times. Yeah. So... I don't know. I think they're really good at doing decent covers, but in saying that their music style, there isn't really anything about it that I can sort of pin as like, sick. Like, I want to continue listening to this. Yeah, look, it just, to me, it's what I imagine... A band like Imagine Dragons sounds like. Yeah, now. yeah. That's what I'm... And I've never listened to Imagine Dragons, so I probably sound incredibly ignorant. But even just that sort of idea of very talented in their own right, there's a reason why they are where they are. But if you don't vibe with that music, then it's just kind of like, okay. Yeah. Like... But at the same time, and I guess we can start talking about the cover. Yeah. He is not nearly as strong a vocalist as Freddie Mercury. He holds the tune well, but it, you need to be a fucking genius to make it even half as good, if that makes sense. And it's like the chorus, the the we are the champs, it's like, we are the... It's like, we are the champions. Like, the yeah. way he sort of says champions. It's like champions. It's almost like champions with an E instead of an A. Champions. Champions. It's like... I don't know... I think it's, is is it almost, like, should a band, like, is there a band, basically, or a musical act that is above being covered, that is sacred enough that shouldn't be touched? Or should everything have the right to be interpreted? I think everything has the right. It's just, there are going to be some pieces of art that are more difficult to appropriate to cover to remix reinterpret effectively like and this is a perfect example where yeah I think all the covers we talk about today sure they're good but they're not great well not all the covers some of them are rubbish but it's probably a tall order and that yeah to, to cover a vocalist like Freddie Mercury that's yeah that's the thing is like they took on a hell of a an exercise in doing this. And, like, I think they do a decent job, but, again, it's one of those ones where, like, wow, you've really opened yourself up to criticism because it's such a big thing to do. 
And it's kind of interest. I'm going to be really interested to hear what the Bohemian Rhapsody one is like because there's so much more in that to unpack. Oh, fuck yeah. So much more to just pull apart and go, okay, they did this wrong or they didn't do this or that, this, that and the other thing. I think when... And he's probably loving the piano part at the start. But I think when the when the rest of the band kicks in, they nail that part. They do that part, I would say, you know, as good as Queen. Yeah. Probably not as good as Queen. But it come, To me, it ultimately falls a bit flat. And I think that's just because of the way things are mixed these days. Yeah. Like, it's sw- not really the same body as the original, but still, like, very well done. I swear there's also might be some auto-tune in there, but that could just Probably. be... That could just be a little bit of a warble in his voice that se- sort of sounds like the... Look, even if there is auto-tune, I do not mind. Like, no? This is kind of a weird one, because usually it's me that's like, yeah, like, I can see something good in it, and you're the one that's like, no, I hate it. And this one, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I kind of am just ambivalent towards it. Yeah. I don't really, you know, it's it's another one that doesn't do too much different from the original. Yeah, but it's then, just not done as good. And I think they sort of scale it down to fit what they can achieve in terms of a cover. Like, not saying that like they're dum dums who need to simplify, it, but like, like it's a very strategic move that they've sort of taken some of it down, like a key maybe or something, like mm. a little bit playing I to think. their strengths. Yeah, yeah, they're playing to their strengths. But, of course, that's going to pale in comparison to yeah, being I'd... able to reach those vocal yeah. heights that Freddie did or that kind of thing. Um, one thing that does bug me about this song is that they resolve the final chorus where it's originally left open. So at the end of the chorus in the original, they don't actually finish off on of the world they just let it trail out so, yeah whereas it's like guys, we are the champions do, 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 do. yeah whereas these guys do finish it off with an of the world and it's just like why why did you do that but then I'm also the kind of person who'll be like oh I feel like that was unresolved so like yeah yeah damned if you do damned if you don't I kind of like that it's unresolved as sort of I mean we know what, what the lyric is but it's like yeah. Maybe he was going to say something different. Maybe he was going to be of the universe. Yeah. And like, as someone, another annotator on Genius, could be the same person, who knows, they noted that this could be another example of the Mandela effect. So like people remembering ah, the song differently yeah. to how it actually panned out. Um they also noted some likely explanations for the collective belief that the song ended with the lines of the world is that Mercury may have performed some live shows where he added the line or that people are just remembering the iconic line in the middle of the song instead. So he could have been wanting to finish it. We are the champions of the Berenstein Bears. Yeah. Yeah. And then in other performances, he was saying Berenstein Bears. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let's just go with that. <laughs> I'm too tired to riff off that. Um, Yeah. It's funny. It's one of those ones where, for me, sort of resolving that open-endedness doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of of almost going, hey, you did this wrong. We're going to do it better. Yeah. Or we're going to fix this. And you don't. Yeah. 
You know what the old no, you know, the old saying: if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. So yeah, in my mind, it's. I would need to listen to more of their covers, and I could come around to the next one and go, "Hey, this cover's sick. See, this song is sick." There are a couple of their covers coming up that I'm going like I'm really looking forward to talking about because, like I said, they do covers really well. Um, it's just despite their talent at doing covers, sometimes like. A really masterful cover works to their favour when it's like a kind of, I don't know, a song that might translate a bit more to that sort of emo kind of lyricism or it plays really well to like a really silly kind of fun, upbeat cover and they do... But yeah, they have examples of those down the line that I'm really looking forward to talking about. I think with this one, it's such an iconic song that you're already on the back foot with trying to do it justice. Yeah. Your, your mind is already going, well, it's not going to be as good. Yeah. It's not going to be as good. But then in saying that, like, fucking props to them for doing it anyway. Sure. Because they, they haven't beefed it completely. Like, no. No, they haven't beefed it. I just sort of... I don't know. It's it's one that doesn't change anything except for the, you know, the, the final line of yeah. the song. And it just... Yeah. It's going to be one that I won't really remember after, you know, the next couple of days. Mm. It'll be gone. And it was just kind of unremarkable. And I feel bad for kind of dunking on them. I feel like they are kind of, you know, punk goes royalty almost. Absolutely, yeah. But at the same time, I didn't love this one. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go into the next song going, oh, this is going to be shit. I'm going to be going yeah. with an open mind, but it's just this one. I didn't like it. I don't like what their sound seems to have been going towards. Mm. Which, again, is just sort of unremarkable pop. Radio-friendly pop. But it doesn't seem like it's... It doesn't seem like they're almost popular enough to be a band like Imagine Dragons. See, but I think in different realms they are... I don't know. Mm. That's Uh, alright. Anyway. We're never going to interview them, so it doesn't matter. This is true. But we are going to interview Tony Hawk. Because I've decided I'm going to manifest that into the universe. Yes. The secret. Huh? The secret. Yeah. We'll set up our own secret board and just have it all be about Tony Hawk. Just pictures of Tony. The Birdman. Yep. So, mm. let's talk about one that is a favourite of yours. Yes. So, none other than California Bay Area Punkers Green Day. Uh, have covered this song before. I'm taking my bows and my curtains. You robbed me, fame and fortune and everything that goes with it. Don't be shy,
Uh, notably, they covered it in 2005, I think it was, for Live 8, um, which to me is significant in the sense that it sort of mirrors when Queen originally did it for Live Aid. Mm. Yeah. Um, like, it's just quite a lovely, like, tie-in. And, yeah, Green Day, they've sort of... They've found themselves in that situation twice now, I feel, because they also played the Woodstock reboot, essentially, in 1999. 90... Yeah. Woodstock 99. Um, was it 99? 99. Jeez. Um, so, yeah, like, they're one of those bands that have been involved in pretty significant, like, pop culture events... Like, sort of like the little sister type. But yeah, I remember Live 8 being huge. Um, So yeah, they did a cover of this. They've also just covered it on tour. Like, it's just a go-to for them. They also did a cover which made it onto their live DVD, Bullet in the Bible, which I used to watch a lot because Green Day was my favourite, favourite, favourite band. Yeah. Like, my first proper band that I got into. Between... Well, you've sort of... Like, your loves are your loves. You love your loves. Yeah. Your, your music, your bands. Yes. I would sort of say, you know, in from what I can gather, you know, from you know having been with you for nearly a decade, it's mm-hmm. almost Green Day and My Chem. Green Day, Fallout Boy, My Chem. Green Day, Fallout Boy, My Chem. They were the trinity as such. Yes. Yeah. Um... And yeah, Green Day very much kicked it off for me. They were my first concert. They, yeah, I sort of modelled a lot of what I listened to and how I dressed and my sort of interests after that kind of aesthetic. Um, Yeah, they sort of spawned who I am today in that sense. Because before then it was just sort of like, oh yeah, like, before then I think my favourite band was Maroon 5 or something like that. So... Yeah. Um... Yeah. I, I mean, I basically, knowing that we could have a chance to talk about Green Day, I was just like, how much do you want to talk about them? Because I I, I, I'm giving you an open mic and just a platform. Because I said to you, we will get a chance to talk about the Black Dahlia murder, and I'm going to talk more about the Black Dahlia murder than the band covering yeah. the song that the Black Dahlia murder also covers. For me, it's one of those things where it's, if you had me on the mic in year eight, year nine, I would have been able to talk about them for hours, whereas now, you're right. I'm looking at the, <laughs> I'm looking at the Woodstock 99 lineup. The Umbilical Brothers played it. Sick. What? Um, <laughs> Sorry. That, are you sure it was 99? Like, Baby, I know... sometimes you need to trust me. Look, Woodstock 99. Okay. What's the thing? <laughs> No, hang on. Green Day Woodstock, 1994. Thank you very much. Yeah, but but 99 was also a thing. Yeah, but Green Day played 94. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Like, if you had asked me back in my teenage years, I would have had heaps and heaps to say. But, right, like, similar to Mike Kim, like, how they've announced their reunion and everything, I am very excited. I'm very excited to see them, but... I'm past the point where I can sort of talk at length about how much I love them, if that makes sense. Like, it's just sort of similar to that analogy I used, how, like, when we were talking about Newfound Glory over Christmas time, like, that thing of 
when it's true love, like it's just nice and quiet and you sort of keep it to yourself. Mm. Like, I find it hard to sort of be like, and this is one of the many reasons why I love this band so, so much is because it's just like, it's just my thing. Like, I love them. I just think back to your first ever show, seeing yeah. them, My Chemical Romance and Jimmy Eat World. I it's know. like, I mean, I would think that's a cool show, but I'm imagining, you know, if you could go back oh. in time to really appreciate that show, which I'm sure you, I know you would. Oh, but it's true. Like, I didn't appreciate the fact that I was seeing My Chem. Because you, like, you didn't like, know who My Chemical Romance nah. were. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's nuts. Like,. I would still just go completely off chops if I saw... Like, it was such a good show. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, in terms of... Yeah. What I'm trying to say is I won't go super into depth on Green Day, mostly because we're here to talk about one of their covers and not their entire... It's not a Green Day podcast. But, like... Yeah. To keep the, the, the theme alive. Yeah. But... Yeah, this cover, I really enjoy it purely. Like, Green Day, one of those ones where, like, for the most part, they could just sort of release, I don't know, just some dumb, shitty kind of EP, and I'd be like, hell yeah. Or, like, at least I would have been when I was a teenager. Yeah, I feel like you've definitely, you're not more aware, but just just with newer stuff, you're like, okay, I'm not going to, you know assume that this is going to be Dookie again or American Idiot yeah. again or you know I remember when they released those three or four albums yeah. for each member was it four because they've got a fourth member now or did they just do three uh, so it was four but I think the fourth one was like extra shit possibly I can't remember but yeah needless to say I only bought Uno and even that one wasn't that good yeah, like, yeah. and that's fine um, but yeah, this is from a time where they just, for me, they nailed everything. Like, I thought this was a really iconic cover, even though in reality, Billy Joe has a lovely singing voice, but he doesn't have the chops to do no. this. But they've got the stage presence and the big band feel. Absolutely. To absolutely nail the rest of it. And then, yeah, and to me, them as a band today and like their ethos and everything today does feel very queen like to me like yeah the fact that they turned american idiot into a musical and a really fantastic musical yeah like thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it um and same with we will rock you like that was a fantastic musical yeah like we saw um what was her name casey donovan yes really good as the villain in that she's so good yeah um so yeah to me this cover works because it is a band that is on par with Queen, like you said, in terms of that stage presence, in terms of that being an iconic band for the time, their time. Um, yeah, I remember like American Idiot being such an important album. Um, Bullet in a Bible, like the live stuff that came afterwards. Again, like I just devoured it because it was just, yeah. It was... Just, it's super important to you. Yeah. yeah. And... It sort of resonated with you at the time. But yeah, they are truly one of those bands that, even though these days I'm kind of like, okay, like they're sort of starting to edge into like Rolling Stones territory where it's like, 
please stop recording new stuff. Like, you re- like... And yeah, the whole, you know, when he... Was he pissed on stage? And yeah. He had, that, he had that tantrum and it was like... I don't know. Yeah. They're one of those ones where... Dude, you could just focus on the musical now. Maybe do some more musicals and that would be... Like, this is someone who's not, like, a Green Day fan. Yeah. I'm saying, like, I would go, cool. That's cool. You can do that. Yeah. And that's, like, where, as an adult, again, my love for this band is just sort of that quiet, like, affectionate kind of... Because they carried me through some really difficult times. Yeah. Um, And these days... Yeah, I can sort of see them becoming that daggy dad sort of band. Like, mm. a lot of their stuff is... I think is, they're there. They, yeah, but to me, they still carry some sense of presence about mm. them. But they are, like... You just have to look at their Instagram profiles. And it's just like, oh my god, you guys are the funniest. <laughs> like, it's basically... I think Trey's funny. Trey's very funny. Yeah, but like... He is even cool. Yeah. But, like, to me, I think Trey, out of the three of them... And also, he's the youngest, I think, so it makes sense. Like, he is not... As daggy yet, whereas like Mike, especially on Instagram, is just the funniest thing because it's just like it is a dad using Instagram, like it's wonderful. Um, so yeah, they're one of those bands that I, yeah, God forbid, I do live to see that point where one of them isn't with us anymore, like mm. it's gonna be fucking gut wrenching because they are, yeah, such an important band to me. I need to show you the King of the Hill episode that has them in it. Oh. And it's, it's funny because it's, I think it's Bobby is getting bullied by these teens who are in a punk band. Yeah. And it's Green Day. <laughs> but it's funny because Trey Cool is the leader of this band. Oh. Not, like, Billy Joe has some, Billy Joe Armstrong has lines in it. Yeah. But, but Trey Cool is, you know, the one who is the leader of this, this band. And it's like, and I'm watching it and I'm like, I don't recognize these voices. But then you watch the credits. I'm like, oh, Trey Cool and Billy Joe Armstrong and... Yeah, cool. Yeah. So I'll have to show you that episode. It's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, I love King of the Hill. And I love Green Day. But I guess going from one where it's, you know, the band has the presence of the band. Yeah. To a singer who has the talent and the presence of Freddie Mercury. Yeah. This is a brief one because it wasn't really, it's not a song that they do live, but Brandon Urie of Panic at the Disco fame. Yes. Did a what did you say it was like a Twitch? I get the feeling or... this one was recorded on like Twitch or it was like a Vine or like a Instagram, like a story, something. I think it was just done via social media. I think a fan was like, "Hey, can you play a bit of this?" Yeah, and so he does like a verse and a chorus. And yeah, that's it's it. it's about a minute long, a minute and a half. And like even it's just him noodling around on his piano and singing, and because he just has such an incredible singing yeah. voice, like he is. Really talented. I've paid my dues time after time. I've done my sentence, but committed no crime. And bad mistakes, I've made a few. I've had my shares and kicked in my face, but I've come through. We are the champions, my friends. 
like I was telling you before, I think someone I saw on the internet a couple of days ago, someone was like, yeah, he can basically, he does do all the instruments. Or yeah. He can do all the instruments for Panic at the Disco. And so I've made that remark of like how Panic at the Disco is Brendan Urie. Yeah. And it sort of makes more sense like, oh yeah, but he really could just do it himself. It's, yeah. Because I remember like when, and I feel like I've talked about this on the pod before, but when Panic did split into two, like they split into Panic at the Disco and The Young Veins went their separate ways. When Panic lost Ryan Ross, I do remember there being sort of like a moment where I was like, oh, like listening to the first album post Ryan and John. And it was quite, it felt sort of a bit more simplistic lyrically because they didn't have the lyricists still. Yeah. Like, but then this new wave of Panic, I guess, because Brendan has always been that central element to it. Mm. Like he started the band with Ryan, that kind of thing. Um, or I think he might have with Spencer even. Anyway, um, it still does carry that sort of flavour to it. Like once you get used to the fact that like it's not as highbrow sort of literary stuff, but it does still have its own cool feel to it. Like it was easy to get on board. Yeah. And like that's why I still am happy to say like, hell yeah, like Panic! The Disco, they rule. Yeah. There is definitely that argument of, like, why don't you just make it Brendan Urie? Like, why don't you just make it a solo act? But then it's like... Because it's his brand. And I've, I've made that... I've, I've yeah. said that exact same thing to you. Why, doesn't it, why isn't it just Brendan Urie? Yeah. But even in me with Taylor, the Taylor Swift song, it's Brendan Urie from Panic! at the Disco. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of hilarious, again, because it's just basically Brendan Urie. But, and you've said, like, it's his brand. Yeah. You know? Like, it's, it's shit that... Yeah, like... Like, you know, it's not the original lineup, but it's still there's enough of that founding members energy to it that it still works. I guess, and it's probably not the same thing, but you know, someone like Travis Barker starting up Famous Stars and Straps. Mm. You know, could he ditch Famous Stars and Straps and just be Travis Barker? Possibly, but you know, it's his brand. Yeah, I did say that was probably not going to correlate. And... Well, Famous Stars and Straps is just a clothing line, yeah, as opposed to it, but. Yeah, I guess, yeah, like Travis does do stuff just as Travis Barker. Yeah. And it works, but I think, yeah, that if he were to start performing Blink songs live, it doesn't make sense because it's like, well, where the fuck is Mark? Mm. If not Tom, even though Tom's long gone. Um, But yeah, I know what you mean. I would love, love for just Tom on stage with Angels and Airwaves. Airwaves. To just... (laughs) To just, you know, pull out a What's My Age Again or something. I would just love him to be like... Just one of the songs that he wrote. Just yeah. be like... Just be like, you know what? I'm going to see what kind of reaction this is going to get. I guess, like, this is sort of the antithesis to that. Why can't a lead or, like, a founding person just carry on as that band? Like, even though Travis and Mark are still in Blink... It is still very jarring to me that Mark, in particular, can still be branded as Blink because to yeah. me, without Tom, it just doesn't make sense. Like yeah. I still love them, but and surely he's still getting some kind of stakes or some oh, kind he, of I think he is royalties, still getting royalties or and, absolutely. And especially there would be songs that he wrote. You know, yeah. it wouldn't just be wouldn't just be the Mark wrote the songs. And I would just love for I'd love to know which one, like just one song that he wrote, and so we could just go, you know, he's damn it, I'm gonna play damn it. With Ang- like, it would be really jarring to probably Wouldn't, see yeah, Angels and yeah. Wearwaves do Werewaves. Werewaves. <laughs> 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 a- 
angels and airwaves do damn it but fuck it that would be amazing i feel like i'd hate it could you imagine it like just modern day damn it tom delong singing and it would make sense because tom delong just got divorced yeah true if it was damn it yep but when we do (laughs) when we do bohemian rhapsody that's a song that Panic at the Disco actually does live on stage. Yeah. So we don't want this. You know, I was going to, I was fully on board with you having a full on self indulgent episode where you talk about two of your loves. Yeah. But I think you want to maybe curb that enthusiasm a little bit and wait till we do Bohemian Rhapsody I think to so. get into panic. So, yeah. But I guess, yeah, what we're trying to say here is like the fact that it's just him. And a piano singing into like a shit like camera microphone, it still sounds really fucking good. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be. I'm hazarding a guess. I wouldn't be surprised if when we do Bohemian Rhapsody, we're going to say this one is better than the actual cover that we're supposed to be talking about. I'm just putting that out there. Could be amazing. You know, I'm just saying most likely we're probably going to say Panic of the Disco's version is better. I thought for a second that you meant Queen. I was like, ooh, no, not, not better yeah. than Queen, but like he is a he's a fantastic musician. Yeah, and he absolutely. has. I've not seen him live, but, you know, I know enough to know that he's, you know, you've seen them live. Multiple times. And yeah. you can attest that, yes, he he is a showman as well. Like, he's a... Absolutely, he is. Mm. So, yeah. Carry on with your bad self, Brendan Urie. Definitely. I'm almost tempted to just have a third cover as opposed to four. So, Crazy Frog? Yeah. All right. <laughs> We did have four covers, and um, sorry to the busters, you have been busted out yeah. of this episode. We were fine with that until my lovely fiance <laughs> discovered an absolute abomination <laughs> of a cover of We Will Rock You. No, We Are The Champions. <laughs> it's everything that's wrong in the world. Crazy Frog. Fucking... I can't talk. I remember the other day with like a real pang of shame that I owned the Hamster Dance CD on cassette tape <laughs> and like thoroughly enjoyed it. Like took it to school with some lyrics so we could sing it in music class. Like fucking loved it and was definitely too old the to be into Hamster Dance had lyrics? Yeah. Oh. And it was like a CD of like multiple songs. That were probably all the Hamster Dance and just different remixes no no oh wow no there was a really cool song about a party i can't remember what it's called but it was great i think it was just called party song or something like that i'm thinking which of... i wish it was blink's party song 
but sung in hamster voice. Continue. I'm thinking of fucking... You know how, like, we talked about when we did Send Me an Angel and it was, you know, it was real life and a flock of seagulls doing a show in, I think it was Manila. I want to see some kind of comeback show, even though, how would you do this? I don't know. But comeback show for all these whack animated singers. So, like, you'd have the crazy frog, you'd oh, have no. the hamster dance, you'd have schnish nor schnappy. Oh, fuck off. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so just to clarify so it was called hamster party and it was by hampton the hamster hampton the hamster you'd have uh cotton eye joe <laughs> <laughs> fuck me i feel like cotton eye joe fills the same void as fucking crazy frog oh my <laughs> goodness oh uh, yeah what what started off as what was the crazy frog? It was basically just a kid doing the... Yeah. And, and it was basically people's ringtones. Yeah, because that was back in the time where like you could purchase ringtones. Yeah, there was a time where you could purchase ringtones. Or, I had it on my Nokia, I think it was 3310. Where you could compose your own. You could compose yeah. your own. And so you'd go online and it would be like, yep, these are the notes for... Yep. You know, so I had like Raining Blood by Slayer. <laughs> I had 96 Quite Bitter Beings by CKY. I had, I had basically, I loaded it all up with songs yeah. and I would change it every week. The funny thing was, no one was rigging me anyway. Yeah. No one was messaging me anyway. No, I had someone do um, Stockholm Syndrome by Muse for mine, which was really fucking cool. He was like a really clever guy, like talented. Yeah. Um, shout out to Bo Atkinson if you're out there. Hey, um, hey Bo. But yeah. <laughs> hey, Bo, 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 Um... But yeah, God, that was wild. There was, like, definitely a patch where, like, we all had, like, the most custom... Like, it sort of went from shitty, like, hey, pick up your phone, kind of, like, gag. Like, yeah. sounding like something, oh, I'm trapped in this phone, help me, kind of, like, yeah. dumb shit. Then there's, yeah, there was, like, the crazy frog kind of era. Then there was, like, just songs. Yeah. And now everyone just goes back to default. Yeah. That's the bit that does my head in. It's like, we all just went back to default ringtones. Yeah. Because, like, why would you want to have a personal, I don't know. I think the best I ever had was on one of my previous iPhones, which I'm not on anymore. I don't use Apple, but I I made my message tone the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> yes, I remember that. And I also had the Final Fantasy VII Victory Fanfare song. That's Yeah, well I remember that. As my ringtone. But again, it was basically either you or... Because we were in that really weird place that we couldn't get... Like, our gas bills were really... They couldn't They couldn't read our gas meter because yeah. it was inside the restaurant that we were living on top of. And they kept hounding me like, Hey, we need to get in and read your meter. And it was just like... Last month you were able to just estimate how much we spent. Why are you now hounding me for the meter? And it was just... Yeah, our landlords weren't good. <laughs> what does that have to do with your ringtone? <laughs> Well, basically, so I turned around and was like, I really don't like the Final Fantasy oh, VII yeah, yeah. victory fanfare because it was just, it now makes me think of AGL. <laughs> yep. Or whoever we were with. I think it was AGL. Um, yeah, I think I I didn't have custom ringtones for like my iPhones, but before then, when I before I transitioned to like an iPhone, like... 
Was it three? Was there a three? It's, I don't know. I mean, there would have been. It was like my sister's old hand-me-down one that I got when my really excellent Nokia like slide phone that was featured in the Thanks for the Memories music video when that broke. Um, so yeah, when I had that phone, I put in a recording of um, Time to Dance by Panic, which so- suits very well as a ringtone, but again, it was just like... That's just the most emo shit. Like, <laughs> so yeah. And now I couldn't think of like. I think at most I'd probably change a message tone to something stupid. But I don't like. I never have my phone on noise anyway. Yeah, I don't have the patience to do that. Nah. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, um, the Crazy Frog cover oh, is. Yeah, I was like, how did we get there? It's really bad. It's, Rem- it's the Crazy Frog. How would you think it was not going to be perfection? I. Ju- <sighs> no, I'm joking. Crazy, like I said, this is what, what what is wrong with the world. Oh, just, yeah. I just, I never, I didn't understand it back then. And I still don't understand it. But then again, this is coming from me who bought Hamster Dance with my own money. So I really can't talk. I'm trying to think if I got into, I mean, I had the Pokemon CD. That's fair though. Which I listened to ad nauseum. And there's a song on it where Misty is talking about her love and then it's <gasps> revealed to be Ash. What? Yeah. Were they in love? Well, Misty was in love with Ash. Fuck. According I mean, to this song. I thought Misty and Brock were in love. Oh, I don't know. Anyway. Not not in the original... Not in, not in a time when I was buying a Pokemon CD, they oh, weren't. shit. Also, don't forget, Ash was 10 at that time. Wasn't Misty, like, 15, 16? I think she it? was. And That's I think upsetting. I think Brock was, like, 20. <laughs> Jesus. Hey, Brock, you really uncool man. That you, You're you a 20-year-old hanging out with a 10-year-old. Yeah, you need friends. Yeah, you need friends. Stop looking at the nurses and police ladies. Oh, Brock. <laughs> yeah, look, I don't know. Crazy frog. It was just... It was that whole sort of Eurodance period where, like, there was... Like, the Eurodance-ish sort of version of Heaven. Like, DJ Sammy. I feel like this was almost after that, though. By a couple of years. This was, like, the Brit sort of dance because the the crazy frog was a big brit thing hmm well yeah i don't know because i feel like the euro stuff was more the late 90s and this was like 2003 2004 so crazy frog originally known as the annoying thing is a swedish cgi animated character created in 2003 by actor and playwright eric wernquist Oh, fuck me. Classified as Eurodance. Um, well, I apologise. F- no, I'm not trying to like... No, I know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, Crazy Frog was signed to Universal Music Group, oh. Warner Music Group, Ministry of Sound, and Universal Records. Ministry of Sound. <laughs> that kind of makes sense. I can see people getting cooked and like dancing to this at a rave. But like... Yeah. Basically, the, the Axel F song, though, wasn't... It was just this, the the tune to Beverly, Beverly Hills, Hills Cop. Cop. Yeah. But wasn't it... It was mostly just, like, the the Crazy Frog came in at the bing, bing. Yeah. And then, it, and then I think it had, like, a basically, like, a guitar solo. Like, the... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's it sort of was a bit past... And look, it was massively popular. Yeah. It really was, but I feel like it was also past bands like the Venga Boys and Bomb Funk MCs and <laughs> Eiffel 65. Good lord. So there's an entire, an entire article on Crazy Frog and like the controversy surrounding Crazy Frog and Jamster, the 
like mobile phone sort of ringtone. Is it because you can see his dick? Yeah. Was that really the controversy? Yeah, and also just the fact that it, like Jamster were like they had a heap of like advertising space and like selling like premium rate ringtone stuff like just mm. the fact that it was sort of like extortionist almost God. allegedly. There was so many. There was so much weird stuff, which I guess would it was you predated your apps basically, but just so much weird stuff that you could just sign up for on your phone. Yeah. I think I had a period where. I was getting like riddles or something or quotes sent to me every day. And that would have probably, that was probably costing me like 99 cents a day or something ridiculous like that. You could get your star sign sent to you. I remember you could get like the Kama Sutra, a different position every day. And it was like, and even then I was self-aware enough to be like, well, I'm not getting any. So why would I get that? (laughs) It, Yeah. I feel like this is just an example of how, like, technology has changed us for the worse. Like, I feel like the internet used to be such a simple place, and then it was like, buy a ringtone, buy a service that tells you information we already know about you, and that was back in, like, the 2000s, where it was like, ask Mike, or something was like, Mm. he can tell you secrets about your friend, or, like, Mm. he can tell you where you live, and, like, it was just like, what the fuck? And yeah, and since then we've just sort of spiralled into like this really fucked sort of timeline. I don't know. Way to set the mood. I know, this is this just sort of comes back around to my general 2020 mood at the moment, but <laughs> suffice Look, to say... Axel... we both don't want to go back to work tomorrow, but you just have to, <laughs> alright? But no, all I want to say is that Crazy Frog is the pits, yeah. but I do feel like we had to talk about it's this. It's an abortion abomination do you mean no I, I mean an abortion <laughs> well on that note hell yeah or yeah nah for this one hell yeah look hell yeah fuck it I'll say a hell yeah for both yeah you're not getting it's not like it's worse god no than the original it's not as good so I guess it is kind of worse but it's not like shithouse. It's just, yeah. it's, it's a perfectly good cover, but considering what they're up against, yeah. You know, if you... They still did it justice. It's just any cover is going to fall flat, ultimately. I guess, I mean, I love Pepsi, but I guess if you, you know, for most people, it's like, if you don't have Coke, I guess Pepsi will do. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if you don't have Queen, I guess Mayday Parade will do for We Are The Champions. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. I don't know how in 2020 we couldn't just listen to Queen, but still. I mean, we can. Uh, that's what I mean. Like, I don't know how you would be in that situation where you couldn't just listen to Queen over Mayday Parade. <laughs> but that's the whole point of Punk Goes, is they can't... <laughs> like, I'm just picturing, like, Punk Goes just getting to a point where they're like, fuck it, and they just release compilation <laughs> albums of the original songs. Like... <laughs> 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 Punk Goes Originals. Yeah, just Punk Goes, here's a bunch of songs that we really like. <laughs> Punk Goes, our Spotify playlist. Yeah, pretty, like... Uh, anyway. <laughs> Punk Goes, my friend is having a wedding next weekend and I've put through a playlist <laughs> for you to enjoy. Punk Goes, chill beats to study and listen to. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Look, we, we are really no you know we started this year off strong and we're going to continue on strong so why don't you tell us what we're going to be doing next week 
Um, yes, I just need to switch back to our notes off the Crazy Frog Wikipedia page. Fucking Crazy Frog. <laughs> so next week we will be looking at the song Looks That Kill by Motley Crue as covered by Diesel Boy. Oh, fuck. 